If a human being is going to have peace with God, someone is going to have to surrender. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. We are all born rebels. We stubbornly refuse to bow the knee to the rightful king of the universe. We want our own way. But our war on God is hopeless, of course, and it makes us miserable. Then we hear the message of peace. We're confronted with the gospel. Some choose to renew the fight, but for those who accept the divine terms, there is peace and contentment. Here's Jim. The best things in life aren't things. The best things in life aren't things. In Luke chapter 2, the angels came to the shepherds and announced this wonderful good news about the Savior is born, Christ the Lord, and you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then we read in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a whole host of angels, a whole choir suddenly showed up. That must have been a stunning experience. And their text, what they, they were shouting and praising and singing to God is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Henry W. Longfellow wrote of his despair in this famous Christmas carol. There is no peace, he says, for hate is strong and that mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Well, Henry, that depends upon where you're looking for peace. The Bible has a lot to say about peace. And friend, if you came this morning to worship with us, one of the things you should leave this auditorium feeling and leave the parking lot knowing is that you have been among a people who are at peace, who have Peace. This is a peaceful place. In 1983, 84, Tricene and I were privileged to spend uh, five weeks abroad visiting missionaries, and we spent three of those weeks in the Central African Republic. On one day, we flew all the way up just uh, less than 10 miles from the Chad border, way up country. The only way to get there other than by plane would be to travel through mud roads, just no asphalt, no, no chip, just mud roads. The doctor who had taken us up there went to help the African nurses at the clinic there, close to the border of the Chad. There were some very difficult cases that they were trying to deal with, and since I wasn't needed in surgery that day, I left the clinic and wandered down into the village itself. We had been told that we'd be having lunch that day with one of the African nurses whose wife was preparing dinner for us. 
And by myself, I wandered down into the village. And when I came into the edge of the village, one of the, the young women who was busy sweeping the dirt in front of her hut noticed me and she smiled and waved me to come over. And there was a chair and she moved the chair into the shade of a, a contraption that they used to put their belongings up on that keep them away from prowling animals. See, they don't have cupboards inside their huts. They don't have clothes closets. They don't have kitchens. They don't have dinnerware. They don't have, they don't have what you and I think is absolutely necessary. They just have a hut and the floor is bare and so outside they get rid of all the weeds and things so the, the ground is as bare as the carpet I'm standing on. It's just, it's, just, it's just dirt. And that way it keeps the snakes and other vermin from coming into the house somewhat. But they have this, this, this little platform, a little higher in my head, and up there they can put whatever they're trying to keep away from the animals. And she put this chair over there and invited me to sit down. She's very bowing, very courteous, very, very, very gracious lady. Easy to love. You, you, you would have had no difficulty at all feeling very comfortable being the presence of this uh, young mother. I, I couldn't speak her language, but her smile, her generosity. And as I sat there, the chickens were scurrying around and all the animals, they don't have pens like we have. And most of the men folk were out in the gardens out. That's how they live is they have to plant and live from that. And I realized I was in the most peaceful places I've ever been in my life. I felt absolutely at home, totally at home. No skyscrapers, no planes, no interstates, no Walmarts, absolutely, really, no nothing that you and I use to define our lives. Uh, people whose, whose clothing probably involves one change of clothing and uh, who literally eat hand to mouth and yet peace, deep, tranquil peace. And I, I would say to Harry, Harry Longfellow, Harry, come with me. You're looking in the wrong place. You need to visit where the Savior who came at Bethlehem has come to live in the hearts and lives of people. You need to see what God promised to those angels because God's promise there isn't goodwill to men. Oh, it's true that God intended that all men should be saved. God is not willing that any perish. And God made provision for all men to be saved. And the gospel is to every creature. That's true. But many harden their hearts and, and are resistive and won't receive the gospel. And, and they don't know the peace. And they don't experience the goodwill of God. Neither does that verse mean that God respects our goodwill. That is that... Uh, Goodwill to men means that I'm to be good to you and you be good to me. And in that process, that exchange of goodness, God sets up and says, my, what wonderful people they are. That's not the idea either. It's not our goodwill. What the verse is saying is, on earth, peace to those in whom God is well pleased. That is where the pleasure of God 
has become the target of an individual's aspirations in life. Open your Bibles with me, please, to Colossians chapter 1. There are three times in this, this passage of Scripture, three times where the Apostle Paul talks about peace and the experience of peace among the Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, the first two verses, since this is the prologue and introduction to almost all of Paul's epistles, we tend to just whip right by it, not even think about it. But take a moment and look more deeply into this, this greeting. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints, people who have been declared righteous and holy by God people who have received God's holiness in exchange for their sin. Saints, not perfect, but saints. Sainthood has to do with a standing, a relationship with God based upon what he gives, not what I do. So the apostle is writing to the saints and faithful brothers in Colossae. These are, these are people who have been brought into a family relationship. They are brothers and sisters with each other. And that relationship is being carefully nurtured by faithfulness. And all of this is taking place in the realm of Christ, in, in the energies that Christ gives after the pattern of Jesus Christ, after the model of his life. We forgive because we are forgiven by him. We love because we are loved by him. We serve because he has served us. So the target audience of this epistle is not, is not the Roman governor with his palace up there in Colossae and the, and the Roman soldiers who are guarding the peace of Rome. That, that's not the target of this epistle. God doesn't address them in this epistle. As a matter of fact, if you want to flip over to uh, chapter 4, here the Apostle Paul says in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. See, Paul was not fogged about this. Paul was not saying, I'm sending a bushel of peace over there to Colossae for the, for the social service people to distribute among all the citizens. God doesn't do that. But to this group of people living in Colossae who are insiders, not outsiders, who have this relationship of being faithful brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and being saints, to these people, Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark that word peace. Peace that the angels are talking about to the shepherds is a peace that comes from God. It is a peace with God. It is a tranquility of heart and soul and spirit because I have met God and God has forgiven me, cleansed me, declared me to be righteous, given me his righteousness, his forgiveness, and made me a part of an association of other people whose lives have been transformed by that same grace. And to that group of people, 
Paul says, peace. May your peace increase. Since peace originates in the heart of God, not in the hand of man. Paul can legitimately write and say, I desire that you experience more of God's grace, and the more God's grace you experience, the more peace you are going to radiate. Now, we are called grace brethren. Ta-da! If there's any place in Columbus where you ought to see the peace of God, it's here. And if there's any group of people who hold major responsibilities to God to be exhibiting his peace, it's me and you. And you're doing it. Pastor Steve, Pastor Phil just spent 15 minutes trying to say to us, you're doing good. You're doing very good. I noticed in the bulletin, you gave wonderfully last week. The guys that counted got the seven and the one mixed up. Did you see that? The target was 171,000, and we gave 117,000. They just put the seven in the wrong place. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. You have given liberally. Why do you do that? Because you, in your deepest heart, know that God's grace is sufficient, and you are at peace sharing what he has given to you with others. Why? Because you know our dad is not in short supply. You know that. And therefore, you are free to give, free to love, free to forgive. Why? Because the supply and resource for those responses is in our Heavenly Father. And he is not bankrupt. He's not sweatless. So Paul begins the letter here saying to our poet, Mr. Longfellow, hey, Mr. Henry, check out this group of people over here in Colossae who are saints. They're still living. They're not dead. They're still saints. They're not perfect, but they're saints. They have a relationship with God where God has given them his righteousness and his perfection, given them his holiness, sharing with them by divine decree that they are okay and they're part of my family and they are my sons and daughters and therefore they are brothers and sisters with each other in Jesus Christ. So understand that the peace the angels sang is a peace that comes from God's heart and not something that comes from the discussions of the Security Council at the United Nations headquarters. Now, this peace that Paul wants us to experience and to express is not cheap. Look with me, please, in chapter 1 in Colossians, and, and pick up the reading there in verse 19. Listen how this reads. For it pleased the Father that in him, talking about Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. All that it means to be God dwells in Jesus Christ. And by him, that's Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, that's Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace. Peace is not a given. 
Peace is not cheap. Peace has to be made. Somebody's got to pay the price for peace. And here it says that God took upon his heart the burden of making peace. That making peace was the primary mission of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. And man had nothing to do with what went on there. This is a God-on-God thing. This is God the Father, God the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, doing something that the Roman soldiers couldn't do, the Jewish rabbis couldn't do, the cynics couldn't do. This is God-on-God paying the price for peace. Why? Because God wants peace with you. Why was this necessary? Well, look with me at verse 21. You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. That's Jim Custer without the grace of God. That's you, my friend, without the grace of God. And you are absolutely helpless to bring peace. You can't bring peace with God. You don't have the resources to bring peace with God. And God is not fooled. God is not impressed with your self-righteous gimmicks that won't cut it. What God's righteous, holy character demands is perfection. And none of us are perfect. We are by nature aliens, alienated from God, distancing ourselves from God from our hearts, not just our deeds, but from our hearts. We are enemies against God. When you seek to share the gospel with someone, don't go into that encounter thinking this is going to be a shoe-in. You are talking to someone who by nature is alienated from God, who is an enemy of God, who wants nothing to do with God, and wants absolutely no part of any deal where God's involved. And remember, when you offer the gospel, you are challenging that person to surrender the one thing that's most precious to them. That's their own ego. That's their own sense of their of their empowerment to choose what's good and what's bad. You're telling them to surrender their own privilege of self-determination. That's what you're telling them. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. But it's only good news if you're willing to lay down your sword, bow your proud neck, and kneel before God and surrender to him. If you're not willing to do that, the gospel's not good news at all. It's the most confronting and affronting. It is the most difficult, the strangest, the most weird-sounding thing that you could tell your unsaved friend because he's a natural enemy of God. He is alienated from God. He is blind. He is dead in trespass and sin, and he is an arrogant person determined to prove that he's right and God's wrong. That's the state of the human life. That's why God has to make peace. 
That's why all social programs that leave out Jesus are going to fail. Fail. Utterly fail. All the psychological principles and all the sociological efforts are going to fail because they cannot change the heart of man, the heart of the individual, because that heart is seething with rebellion, that heart is arrogant, that heart is proud, that heart is selfish. What, just like, just like our poet said, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong. Arrogance is strong. Pride is strong. So God himself had to make peace, and he made peace through the blood of Jesus' cross. Now notice, when God sacrificed God on the cross, his intent was far greater than just Jim Custer, just you. It includes you. The death of Jesus Christ is sufficient for God to be reconciled with you, to become at peace with you, but God's plan is much larger than that. The text tells us, by Jesus, God is pleased to reconcile all things to himself. And it goes on to break that down. Things on earth, things in heaven. What Jesus did at the cross because of who he became in the manger has given God a universal, eternal platform to reconcile men to himself. And the neat thing about this reconciliation is it's one-sided. You know, when Tricene and I have a spat, we're... we're now, we don't do that very often. You're looking at me like, mm -hmm. <laughs> Twice in our 40-some years of marriage when we've had spats. <laughs> you know, we, we go around for a little while huffed at each other. What are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting for each of us to come with our offering of peace, see? God doesn't do that. God comes with the whole offering, and he says, here, just accept my peace. As C.S. Lewis wrote about his own moment of crisis, I seem to hear God saying, put down your gun and we'll talk. Well, where is the promised peace on earth? And how could anyone expect to have peace when he or she is at odds with the Creator? Today on Right Start, we heard part of the message entitled, The People of God Are Peaceful and Content. If you'd like to have the sermon on CD, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. It's one of 17 in the series, The People of God, and the CD album can be yours for a donation of $59 or more. Pastor Jim has been using radio to tell people about new life in Christ and how we can grow in it since 1968. At some point, we added digital media too. But over all that time and for every distribution channel, the finances have come from listeners, people like you, obeying the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for responding in faith. To reach us, mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA, or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And visit the website, rightstartradio.org. 
You can donate securely online, and you'll find free ministry materials there in the radio show format plus the unedited sermons. Don't forget that you can receive Right Start daily as an iTunes podcast. Learn more at rightstartradio.org. rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Peace isn't just nice for individuals to have. It's necessary for the entire body of believers. We'll explore that idea on Wednesday's Right Start. Right Start.